back. All right. Well, listen, guys, I want to welcome you to Liquid Church. Before we jump in, we join me welcoming our campuses watching all over the state of New Jersey. What up, guys? How y'all doing? As uh, my name is Nathan, and I'm one of the pastors here, and we are in a series called Spartan Faith, where we're kind of talking about what does it look like to walk by faith, not by sight, to live uh, from that place. And so we've actually been kind of theming this series around the Spartan races. Any Spartan race fans out there? Awesome. You know, I did the Spartan race back in 2016, and here's a picture of me moving. Um, Clearly, it's downhill. And, you know, when I did the Spartan race, I really had two goals. Goal number one was to not die, okay? And uh, as you can see, Pastor Tim's a spiritual gift of finding the camera and giving, and giving his baptism smile. And, and notice he's not helping me with the barbed wire. So, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, so it's to survive. You know, I'm going through that barbed wire, 90-degree heat, mud, the whole bit. And then my second goal was to, you know, to finish, to complete the thing. It's five miles. You're going up and down ski slopes. You are, you know, again, it's hot and it's muddy. And your body's like, I want to quit. But you got to keep going, keep going. So finally, you know, uh, Tim and I and a couple others, we get to the last obstacle, which is the fire jump. Here's a picture of Tim and I going over the jump. Just kidding, that's not us. Uh, we saw the fire jump and we're like, why don't we go around? That looks dangerous. And so, you know, we walk around it and avoid it. But, you know, we, we had a lot of fun. And, you know, when you think of a Spartan race or any kind of endurance activity, you think, okay, this is about, like, you know, uh, physical stamina, right? You know, building up the muscle to go through. But it's also about mental stamina, right? Because you literally get to this point where your body is like, I'm done. But you got to say, no, no, we're going to keep going. We're going to keep going. We're going to finish the race, even though you can't see the finish line yet. And there's actually some interesting parallels to our own spiritual journey when we're doing this. You see, God wants to help build your spiritual stamina. Amen? See, he wants to build your faith muscles so whatever situations and circumstances come at you in life, you have the way to respond to it that's Jesus-centered but it's also going to see you through and actually help you kind of get whatever you need from God in that situation and that season. That's why God gives us all these examples all throughout Scripture, examples of men and women who are walking and living by faith. In fact, there's an entire book of the Bible, a chapter of the Bible, where we call the Hall of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11. Now, it's not the Hall of Fame, but it's the Hall of Faith. You know, last week we did a whole thing with, uh, with uh, Abraham, right? You guys remember the song, Father Abraham had many sons? Yeah, I could either start singing or I can keep preaching. This is great. Um, and so Abraham is a rock star in the Hall of Faith. He's not just mentioned once. He's actually mentioned twice. And so last week, Pastor Tim talked about Abraham's journey. And if you guys remember, you had the person of Abraham. He lived in Ur of the Chaldeans. Say Ur with me. Ur. Ur. And so God says, I want to call you out of Ur, Abraham. And Abraham is like, well, where are we going? And God's like, I'm not going to tell you. I want you to take a step of faith. And eventually, God revealed to Abraham that I'm going to take you to the promise. And so Abraham, at 75 years old, his desire of his heart was to have a son, to have a, a child. And, and so he's like, God, I'm, I'm willing to go with you, but when am I going to get to the promise? When am I going to experience the son? And what God said to him is, your character isn't ready yet. I've got to develop you for your destiny. And many of you here right now, that's exactly where you're at. You're kind of in the messy middle where you're like, God, you made me a promise. God, you said you were going to take me to, you were going to give me the, 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 the plan for my life. You were going to show me the dream, the divine destiny. And God's like, you're not ready yet. 
your character doesn't match your desires yet. So I got to develop you and I got to prepare you so that you can have the capacity to receive what I have for you. And in the same way, that's what happened with Abraham. Abraham, you guys know how old he was when he was called out by God? 75 years old. You know how long it took him before he was able to receive the promise, the child of promise, the dream child? 25 years. It took him 25 years. And in that gap, in that gap place, God was developing his character. Because Abraham was still a cheater. He was still a conniver. He was still a liar. God had to refresh and reset all of those things until Abraham could be the man who could handle the promise that God had for him. Because this promise wasn't just to give him a child. This was a child that had a destiny on him. This was a child that had a global impact on him. This child would have children and descendants that would become a nation called Israel. And out of that nation would be a great promise and a great blessing. And God said to Abraham, Abraham, if you obey me and if you follow me, I will make your descendants great. You will outnumber the sands of the seashore. And so for Abraham, he's like, yeah, God, I'm in. So he left without knowing where he was going. And that's what faith is. Remember Pastor Tim's been talking about this definition of faith. Faith is acting like God is telling the truth before you see the results. It's like, God, I know there's a promise here. There's a plan. There's a divine destiny. But before I see the results of that, I'm going to follow you and do what you've called me to do today. And maybe that's where you're at today. Maybe God's not calling you to father or mother an entire nation but maybe he's called you to start a family. He's called you to start a business, to, to start a creative endeavor. There's something he's been stirring in your heart that he wants to bring to life in your life today. And the only way he can do that is challenging you to call you out to walk by faith until you get to the promise. But what happens when you get to the promise? You think Abraham received his child, game over, great story. But that's actually not the end. Getting the promise was actually the beginning of a new journey for Abraham. In fact, it was a test for Abraham. In fact, I love how the author of Hebrews puts it when they say this. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a, say this word with me, church, sacrifice. When God was testing him, Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his son, his only son Isaac. Remember Isaac? He was the dream child, the child of promise, the child of destiny. Even though God had told him, God said this to Abraham, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. I want you to almost think about this academically, right? Like Abraham all had all these quizzes and practice tests of all these things that God was going to do in his past. And now he's coming to the final exam where he's like, God, listen, you made me this promise. You told me that we were going to be a great nation, but you're asking me to give you my son as a sacrifice? How, how does this work? How does this fit together, God? I, I, don't, I don't get it. And so we're going to see how God brings all this together in Genesis chapter 22. You see, Hebrews 11 is actually a hyperlink. So when you click on a name, it actually gives you the bigger story. And this is the story of Abraham that we're going to be looking at in Genesis 22. Because really, what we're looking at is we're looking at Abraham's final exam. Say final exam with me, church. How many of you guys just finished your finals? Maybe you're in high school, maybe college, maybe the past few months you finished your finals. Okay, none of you, cool, cool. Um, okay, there's a couple of you, a couple of you, all right. Well, listen, how many, I got another question. How many of you are like natural like test takers? Like you just kind of sit, you absorb the information, and then you just gonna, you can just do the test, no problem. Okay, a couple of you. You know, I was a natural uh, test taker because uh, I'm Indian. It's in our genetics. 
I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Some of you are like, I'm offended by that. I'll write myself a strongly worded email. Um, so my wife, my wife's a teacher, and she, you know, she teaches these kids all year, and then she, she tests them because she wants to help them get ready for the next grade the next year. And so the testing is really a way to help them kind of get to the next level, to help them get promoted. And in many ways, when you experience a test, when God is bringing you into a trial, it's because he wants to promote you. It's because he wants to get you ready for the next level of influence, the next level of spiritual growth and maturity. And so I know maybe you're here right now and you're in a spiritual testing time and you're, you're, you're going through a trial. I want to encourage you, don't fear the test, embrace the lesson. Don't fear the test because the test means you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. You're moving forward. Embrace the lessons. Pick those things up that God is taking you through in this season. But how do you know if you're going through a spiritual test right now or it's a quiz? It's kind of prepped for something else. Well, it's usually when God asks you to sacrifice something that's dear to you. Something that you've been holding on to so close to you as, as your source of life and hope and meaning. And God says, I want you to give that to me. I want you to offer it up to me. That's exactly what happens to Abraham. In Genesis 22, if you're following along, it says that God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son. Let's pause right there. That phrase, your only son, I want you to do a mental screen grab of that. Hold on to that. We're going to come back to that soon. Your only son, yes, Isaac, you know, whom you love so much. And go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt Offering. Can we, can we just pause for a second here? How crazy is that? God is asking a man who so far has done everything he's wanted him to do to now sacrifice his only son? That's incomprehensible. Not only his only son, but the son of the promise, the son of the destiny, right? It's like whenever I talk to people about, about God or the Bible, they're, they're always like, dude, how can, I don't know if I could really believe in a God that would ask someone to prove his love to me by sacrificing their son. Like, I don't know how that makes sense and how that comes together. It, it seems really difficult, right, to understand that on one level. So God says, go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains. Again, take a quick screen grab of the word mountain here. It's important which I will show you. So Abraham's got to go on a journey to the land of Moriah, and when he goes there, he has to build an altar. Now, Abraham is used to building altars because one of the things that Abraham would do, he would go around and he'd build altars as a way to remember what God had done for him. It was a remembrance point. But now he's got to build an altar, and on that altar he has to sacrifice his only son, the son whom he loves the most. And as Abraham is wrestling through this, it feels like a contradiction. See, Abraham has, at this point, been walking with God with 30, 40, maybe even longer, 50 years. And now God is saying you need to sacrifice your son. It is a contradiction to him. In fact, if you're taking notes, there's three contradictions that we see that Abraham's wrestling with. The first contradiction is it's a biblical contradiction. You see, God had told Noah in Genesis 9, if anyone takes a human life, that person's life will also be taken by human hands. For God's made human beings in his own image. So wait a minute, God, let me, let me get this straight. You have written down in your word and said, don't kill. 
You are telling me to go and kill my son. This is a contradiction. This does not make sense. What you say here and what you're telling me now, how is this going to fit together, God? It's misaligned to me. Now, it's a biblical contradiction to Abraham, it seems, but it's also an emotional contradiction because he's got to sacrifice the son whom he loves. I, I, I look at this story, and I try to put myself in the shoes of Abraham, and I think if I had to take my son Wesley, he's five, and I've had to put him on an altar to sacrifice, I couldn't do it. I just, I literally don't think my body could allow me to do it. And if God, if I heard that from God, I think I'd look for every excuse. Like, oh, uh, maybe it's the bad sushi from the night before. Maybe, maybe that's, or maybe I was mad at him and now it's subconsciously working his way through. Or maybe I misheard God. Maybe he didn't say sacrifice your only son. He said sacrifice the Cinnabon. You know? Because I love the Cinnabon, but the Cinnabon don't love me, you know? So, so maybe that's what God's saying. But you know, I I can't even imagine how Abraham's processing that. Now imagine the conversation he's got to have with Sarah, his wife. How's that going to go? See, Abraham, though, handles this the way most American men handle conflict. Check this out. It says, the next morning, Abraham got up early. He got up before she got up. Because he's like, I ain't having this conversation. I'm, I'm moving as fast as possible. So, so this is a, a biblical contradiction. It's an emotional contradiction. Probably the hardest part is this is a spiritual contradiction. Because remember, what is Abraham being asked to do? He's asked to build an altar. And on this altar is the place of sacrifice, but not just any sacrifice. You see, on the altar in the ancient world, you sacrificed that which you loved. That which was precious to you. See, for Abraham, it wasn't just the death of his son. It was the death of a dream. He would have to say bye to his boy, see it to his son, and watch a dream that he had had for 100 years. Just gone. How do you worship God with a broken heart? How do you worship God... When your kids are walking away from faith and want nothing to do with him, but you've been serving so faithfully for so long. How do you worship a God that you've been praying for deliverance from the cancer, but now it's back more aggressive than ever? How do you worship a God, a good God, when things don't seem like they're making any sense and your dream is about to die? When the job or the business that you built and spent so much time and energy sacrificing is about to fall apart. When the relationship and the marriage that you invested in for 10, 15 years, you put your career on hold and your life on hold, and now he's like, you know, I think I, think I want something different. I'm leaving you. See, these situations and circumstances that come into our lives, it's the final exam. You didn't sign up for it. I didn't sign up for it. But this is where we have a choice. Will we choose to be cynical or will we choose to believe that God is telling us the truth before we see the results? See, Abraham is going to show us what this looks like. You see, in the scriptures it says that the next morning Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him along with his son, 
Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for burnt offering and set out for the place that God told him about. I want you to notice something, that Abraham doesn't argue with God. He doesn't rationalize. He doesn't try to, like, you know, smooth it over. He just goes. He acts in obedience. And he gets the materials that he needs to build an altar. Now, in the ancient world, uh, there were no church buildings. There weren't no, like, stages or, or what we have today. But what they would do is they would actually get all these stones and they'd pile them up one on top of the other on top of the other. And then they would put the sacrifice, something precious, usually a lamb or a goat. And as it was dying on the altar, they would put wood all around and they would light it on fire. And as the burnt offering was being burnt, it would, the smoke would go up as a way of just worshiping God or worshiping the deity, saying, you know, that we're having peace in, in that sense. And that's what Abraham is being asked to do. But instead of a goat or a sheep, he's doing it with his son. And so as he's getting ready to do this, it says he's been on a journey, and then on the third day, say third day, church. I want you to hold on to that. Take a screen grab of that. That will be important. And on the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. And he said, stay here with the donkey, Abraham told his servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. Did you all catch that? He said, we. See, if Abraham was texting his servants, he'd be BRB. Be right back. Wait a minute, Abraham. We know that two people are going to go up that mountain. Only one person's going to come back. We know what God told you. What's going on here? What does Abraham know that we don't know? See, Abraham believes that God's got a plan B. Abraham believes that, you know what, God, this situation doesn't make sense to me, but I know you're a promise keeper. You kept your promise, and you gave me the promise child. You gave me the child of destiny. So, God, I don't know how I'm going to work it out. That's your problem, but I know you're going to work it out. I know the promise is coming. So I'm going to keep the faith. Church, say keep the faith with me. You got to keep the faith. You got to keep the faith when uncertainty is in your face. You've got to keep the faith when you're not sure what God is doing in your situation or your circumstance. You got to keep the faith when you're feeling the fear. Oh, church, I'm preaching now. Come on, make some noise for your Lord. You got to keep the faith when the anxiety is tearing you apart. You got to keep the faith when the culture is pulling you in the opposite direction that God is bringing. You got to keep the faith. And Abraham, that's where I give God a praise. You got to keep the faith. When it doesn't make sense, when you're not sure what God is doing, you've got to keep the faith. Because Abraham has no idea how this will work out. And if you ever wondered, what's he got to be thinking in this moment? The author of Hebrews tells us, they say that Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. So Abraham believed before anyone else in the history of planet Earth had been resurrected, that resurrection was a possibility. Because Abraham knew that somehow there would be a miracle on the way. Guys, I don't know what your situation or your circumstances, but I believe that God wants you to know that there is a miracle on the way. There is a miracle that's coming your way. It's got a tracking number. It's pending. God's got a miracle in your situation so you can have hope. So hold on. But how did Abraham know? Right? Like, how did he know? Like, he could have faith that, that God was at work in this situation. Like, what was going on in his mind? Now, remember, Abraham, in his entire life, when he was walking with God, went through all these different quizzes, right? He had a, he had a quiz and then a practice test, and then all of a sudden, he had the final exam. Remember, when God calls you to your final exam, remember what God did in the quizzes. 
When God calls you to the final, remember how he came through in the quizzes. And that's what he's remembering. Remember, he remembers at 75 years old, at 75 years old, God said, I'm going to make you a dad. He's like, I should be a granddaddy right now. But he's like, no, no, you're going to have your first son. So God sent the miracle. God created the hookup, and they had Isaac, the, the baby of destiny, the promised child of God. And Abraham was like, you know what? God was able to bring life to my wife's womb. He can bring life to my son if he's dead again. I believe. And you know what? Here's the truth, guys. God loves to come through for you. Think about how he came through for you before in the past. Think about how he came through. He's going to do it again. That's what he does. That's how our God moves. He doesn't matter how big your challenges are. Doesn't matter how daunting they are. Doesn't matter how many people are impacted. He will come through. So don't forget what God did for you in the quizzes when the final exam is coming. Don't forget. Don't forget. Because Abraham needs to remember that. And he's holding on to that. And so him and Isaac are walking together towards the altar. They've been walking for three days. And, and now they're going up the mountain. And uh, Isaac probably in his late teens, early 20s, and he's holding the wood, and he's got, like, the rope, and his dad, he's walking up with his dad, and he's kind of putting some things together. He goes, yo, dad, we're going to church. I got the wood, got the rope, you got the fire, you got the knife. Where's the sheep? We always bring a sheep to church. Where's the sheep? I'm sure Abraham was like, how do I answer this? And he says these words. He says, God will provide. Say that phrase with me, church. God will provide. God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. Abraham's still thinking, God, I don't know how you're going to do this. <laughs> I just don't understand, God, but I know you've provided in the past. You're going to do it again. And so he keeps walking. And so Isaac and Abraham, they, they build the altar together, and then Isaac is now on top of the altar, and Abraham is getting ready. It says in the scriptures that Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. I imagine the knife's up high, and he's committed. He's going to do it. But right when he's about to bring the knife down, at that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. You all know that when God says your name twice, something good's coming. <laughs> something good's coming. And the angel of the Lord is actually the Old Testament name for Jesus. Jesus just showed up. He called Abraham twice. So Abraham's like, oh, yeah, uh, here I am, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Don't hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld to me even your son, your only son. Abraham, you love me not just with your words, but with your actions and with your heart. Abraham, I can tell that you withhold nothing from me, even your dream. Even your dream, Abraham. But I got a question for you. I want to get a little personal here. What's your Isaac? What's your Isaac? What's the dream in your life that you're holding on to for hope and meaning, maybe even salvation, more so than you're holding on to Jesus? What is it? The thing that you're holding on to, you're like, I need this, God. You can have anything else, but you can't have that could be the dream job. 
You've been working hard all these years to get the job you've always wanted, the salary that you've always wanted, but now God might be calling you out of that into a nonprofit or maybe to do something else so you can spend more time with your family. But you're like, nah, God, I can't do that. I, I need to pay for the kids to go to college. I got to put money in the 401k. I got to pay for the house. I can't leave my job. I can't, I, I just can't do that, God. If it's not the dream job, maybe it's the dream child. Maybe like Abraham and Sarah, you've been struggling for inf- with infertility and you've been doing anything and everything to kind of uh, get that filled. You're going through all these different procedures and then finally it happens for you. It feels like the dream child is here. And then you find out the baby has Down syndrome, has a special need. And now the dream is different. It's not what you expected. Or maybe it's the dream relationship. You married the one, and she's amazing, and he's awesome. And it all falls apart. It's ended in divorce, and you're like, God, this is not, this is not what I wanted. This wasn't, this wasn't the plan. And you're wondering how you're going to move forward in the midst of this. Whatever your Isaac is, God says it's safer in my hands than in your hands. I, can, I hold all things in my hands. Hand it to me. You can trust it with me. Because here's the truth. Obedience releases provision. When you obey God and you trust God and you walk by faith, that's when he releases his provision in your life, in your situation, and in your circumstance. Look how God did it for Abraham. It says, Abraham looked up and he saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. So wait a minute. Abraham and Isaac are up here. They're kind of just running around, setting up an altar. They didn't notice there was a ram. Here's what I think happened. I think God put that ram right there, got it caught up in that thicket, and was like, stay still. Don't move. And then as soon as Abraham shows that he's ready to obey God completely and God stops Abraham, he says to that ram, move. And Abraham saw it. You know what that tells me? God provided all along. All along, God had the provision laid out there. You know what that tells me for you and me? God has already provided for you in your situation. The provision is already there. You can't see it because you haven't obeyed completely yet. And when you obey completely and fully, that's when the provision will be released to you. So what is it and where is it in your life that you need to fully obey? Maybe for you, uh, God's told you you need to go and start that college degree or you need to finish your degree. You're like, I don't know if I want to sacrifice all that time sacrifice all that money or my time with my friends. I really like where I'm at in life right now. I don't know if I'm supposed to do that. But God's saying, you will not see my provision until you step out in faith. Or or, or maybe you feel like God's telling you it's time to adopt. It's time to open your home to foster kids. And you're like, God, I don't know if I have the the capacity to sacrifice, you know, the, the money it takes to kind of bring these kids in and take care of them. Or how about the emotional capacity of caring for these kids and, and their needs and all these things? I just don't know if I have the ability to do that, God. And God is saying to you, take a step of faith and I'll provide for you. I'll give you what you need in this season. Because here's the truth. When you finish the assignment, that's when you'll see provision. How many of us 
have incomplete obedience right now. But I want you to look and see the results of Abraham's obedience, because on the other side of obedience is reward. Check this out. It says, because, this is God talking, because you have obeyed me and not withheld even your son, your only son, there's that phrase again. I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number, and through your descendants all the nations of the earth will be blessed, all because you have obeyed me. Guys, I want you to catch this. Abraham's obedience had real-world implications because Abraham obeyed a nation called Israel who was able to form, and out of that nation came the Messiah, Jesus, who is the Savior of the world. Abraham's obedience rippled out to touch every single man, woman, and child. And in the same way, you need to get this church. I don't know if you need to take a picture of this, but we need to own this. It's this. Today's obedience releases tomorrow's blessing. Amen? Today's obedience releases tomorrow's blessing. And I'm not just talking about you and what's going to happen next week or the week after that. I'm talking about your kids. I'm talking about your grandkids. I'm talking about your great-grandkids. I'm talking about when you obey today what God has told you to do, it has the power to break strongholds. It has the power to destroy generational sins and generational curses. Today's obedience, give your God a praise right now. Today's obedience is what it takes to bring breakthrough. But I want, I want you to hear me because I know for many of you here, you're thinking, but Nathan, I already blew the test. I blew the quizzes. I didn't even show up for class most days. But you know what? Here's how generous and how patient our God is. He'll retest you. You know, Abraham, it took him about 25 years to get it right. 25 years of, of failing this quiz and that quiz and that test. And he kept messing up, but God was patient with him. And you know what's cool? God just retested him. And not only did God retest him, God also grades on a curve. And that curve is shaped like the cross. It's a cross-shaped curve. You know, Jesus actually talks about Abraham in the New Testament. He says, your father Abraham rejoiced as he looked forward to my coming. He saw it and was glad. What is Jesus talking about? Here's what I think is going on here. You see, Abraham, you know, after he takes Isaac off the altar, him and Isaac are kneeling in worship. And as they're worshiping, and y'all, when you worship, you got to be honest with God about what's going on in your heart. And I, I feel like Abraham and God are having a conversation, if you know what I'm saying. Abraham's like, God, how could you ask me to sacrifice my only son after a three-day journey on a mountain? How could you, how could you ask me, God, after this three-day journey to sacrifice my one and only son whom I love, he's innocent, on a mountain. I don't understand, God. My only son, you wanted, you wanted to, me to kill him on this altar, on this mountain, after this three-day journey. You know what God said to Abraham? He said, Abraham, I know exactly how you feel. I know exactly how you feel. Because see, Abraham's looking up and he sees another mountain. Because 100 yards away from Mount Moriah is Calvary. And in that moment, 
I almost think that Abraham is getting a vision that 6,000 years later, Jesus is going to be climbing up Mount Calvary, carrying his altar, the cross, and he's going to be put on that cross. And you see, when God the Father brought his knife down, he didn't flinch. And his only son, his innocent, spotless son, was killed. God's son died so that your son didn't have to die, so that my son didn't have to die, so that we could have access to God's life, so that we could have access to resurrection, so that he could bring new life in our world today. See, that's the power of the cross. And here's why Christianity, I think, is different from any other world religion. See, in any other world religion, when you're given the final exam, you've got to take it, and then you're graded on how well you treated others and how well you loved people and whether you're a good person or not, you fill in the blank. But at judgment, God is going to take a look at your final exam. He's going to go, uh-oh, doesn't look good. At that point, you can say, yeah, God, I don't think I did great in this final. But Jesus, he took the final, and I got the grade. See, Jesus is the only one that passed the test. He's the only one that earned the A. And because he earned the A, because he passed the final, we now have eternal life through Christ Jesus. We now have access to resurrection life. We now have access to hope and to healing. And so maybe you're in a situation right now that seems dire. Maybe you feel like you're in Abraham where you're at God. This seems like it contradicts everything I know about you. Here's the hope that we have. Here's the truth that we lean into, and that's this. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus when life doesn't make sense. Look to Jesus when your kids are completely in rebellion. Look to Jesus when your marriage is falling apart. Look to Jesus when you feel frustrated with God or the world or whatever is going on. The answer is to look to Jesus. He will sustain your faith. He will finish your faith. He will give you the strength you need to move forward. When you doubt that your God loves you, look to the cross as a reminder that he let his son die so that we could have life. And I think of that moment where Abraham is looking forward. You know, Abraham was looking forward towards the cross. You and I, we look backward and remember what Jesus did for us on the cross. But we also look forward to what Jesus is going to do. He's going to finish what he started. He's going to come back, and he's going to restore this broken world. He's going to make all things new. He's going to bring resurrection life. And so we have hope. Amen. Give God a praise. We have hope. We have hope. The story is not finished yet. And so when we remember that one day Jesus is coming back to set it all right, we celebrate that with a meal called Communion. Uh, some, some traditions call it the Lord's Supper. I actually like the word Eucharist. It actually means in Greek, Thanksgiving. Because we're saying, God, thank you for the cross. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you, God, for letting your son die so that we have eternal life. And in a moment, I'm going to invite our campus leaders to come up. And they're going to lead us into a time of reflection, a time of communion to remember what God, what Jesus did for us on the cross. Let me pray for you. Jesus. Thank you so much. We remember, God, that we are not alone. 
we remember that you are with us. And as we celebrate communion, we remember that what you did for us on the cross enables us to have relationship with you. You have restored us and you're restoring and renewing all things. So Father, as we come to this table, show us the areas, the Isaacs in our life that we need to surrender to you. The Isaacs that we need to lay down because they're safer in your hands than our own. We ask God that you'd meet us today in Jesus' mighty and awesome name. Amen.